When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. They've made the big jump across the pond, and now the Edmonton Oilers are preparing for a big challenge to start the NHL season. Four games on the road, with the first one in Sweden, all against what should prove to be stiff competition. That's the backdrop for the Oilers as they continue to make final adjustments to the lineup, such as waving players like Pontus Sauberg, the forward who was claimed by the Anaheim Ducks on Monday, and trading defenseman Jakob Jurebeck to the St. Louis Blues. They had waived him on Sunday to send to the American Hockey League. The move saved the Oilers $2 million in salary cap room, but on defense questions remain and will be answered as the regular season begins and gets going. Can young blue liners Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard stick and further develop their games on the big stage? Is veteran Jason Garrison worthy to stick in the lineup for the entire season? I'm Craig Ellingson. I talked to hockey beat writer Jim Matheson about the Oilers' latest moves and about the impact of the trip to Europe. I also talked to writers Derek Fendis and Trevor Robb about the Oilers' trip overseas and what fans in the NHL expect to come of it. An interesting and novel wrinkle on the schedule, for sure. But can the league really expect to grow interest in their product this way? And we talk about the upcoming season for the Oilers and what the mood among fans is like. Optimistic? Skeptical? Somewhere in the middle? Or downright cynical? Dare anyone believe they can make the playoffs this year? Much less the Stanley Cup Final? This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. are you know they arrived they flew after their saturday preseason game against the flames and they flew right to germany afterwards in eight hour flights and i imagine they're taking the time to maybe acclimate a little bit but isn't the acclimation going back the other way when they come back to north america well it, it is i you know i've been to europe several times and it does seem a little harder when you come back to be honest to north america than going the other way you know you just have to stay up a little later when you get 
to Europe and, and uh, have something to eat, uh, perhaps a beverage, and then go to bed and then get up hopefully the next day not feeling too bad, but it's a little tougher the other way. But the orders were on the ice today, skated hard, didn't look much different than, than they normally do, except the rink's a lot bigger here they're practicing on than uh, a North American rink. And the board seemed um, Calgary Corral size height. Too. They're a little ta- a little high compared to what uh, they might be used to in the NHL, at least in the practice rink that the Cologne Sharks uh, use, and that's about uh, two blocks from the uh, Lancus uh, Arena, which uh, will host the game on Wednesday night. Now the question for the Cologne game is, who's going to play Nets? Well, it won't be Cam Talbot unless uh, um, Mikko Koskinen uh, slips in the shower and breaks an ankle. Because um, Shane Starrett is here uh, as a third goalie, and I'm sure Cam Talbot will dress as the backup. Starrett's just here in case somebody got hurt in a warm-up, I believe. Although uh, Todd McClellan might change his mind between now and Wednesday, but uh, I suspect that uh, Cam Talbot will sit on the bench with a with a ball cap on, and Starrett will thank thank the Oilers for a nice trip to uh, Kelowna and. A tour of the city and uh, uh, boat cruise down the Rhine uh, today. When it comes to goalies playing on bigger ice, there are things they have to think about, like you know where the puck's being played from, the, the how wide the boards are, how the puck bounces out, their hash marks, all the familiar things they have from North American ice. Are they pretty much? They're a lot different on European ice, aren't they? And Nico Koskinen well, is trying to get used to North American ice after having played in Europe the last few years. Well, you you know, I'm sure the European part of it will be like riding a bike. I don't think he's going to suddenly forget because he's been at other camp for two weeks, but they wanted to break those habits that goalies playing in Europe get. uh, And that, you know, it's not much forechecking. And when the pucks dumped into your end, you've got all the time in the world to play it. Unlike the NHL where the trapezoid and you have to move it quickly and you can't leave the trapezoid to get a penalty and the angles from what the shots come. In the NHL, the shots come from everywhere. And in Europe, the players don't feel they've got a scoring chance unless it's between the face-off dots because the rink's so much wider. And anything outside of there is just child's play, infield practice for a goalie. So he'll have to get back to European hockey for one game anyway, and then uh, he'll sit on the bench in Gothenburg and Cam Talbot will play. The orders announced they traded uh, Jakob Jurebeck uh, defenseman to the St. Louis Blues for a sixth-round pick. Now, the Oilers had just waived the Arabic on the weekend, uh, and if he had cleared waivers, uh, he is going on to Bakersfield, and they'll be on the hook for his million-dollar contract. Uh, what do you make of this move by the Oilers? I, I see it as a good thing. Well, they saved a million dollars, which they can use to sign another defenseman, maybe Jason Garrison. Uh, they won't give him a million dollars, but they'll probably give him six hundred and fifty, seven hundred thousand dollars uh and it underscores the folly of signing players in the summer um they signed Jerebek to a free agent contract when uh Andre Sekera went down with a torn Achilles quickly signed Jerebek who is represented by the same agent as Sekera Alan Walsh so they thought it would work out because Jerebek was good enough to play in Washington last year and played two playoff games for the Stanley Cup champions but to be honest, he didn't have a great camp. I thought he'd get better late in the camp. But by then, I think the team had decided they liked the kids, Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard, better. And they liked J- Jason Garrison, the tryout player, better than, than Jerebek as well. So 
it's unfortunate because Jarabek was good enough to play in a team that won the Stanley Cup last year and good enough to play the first two games of the playoffs for that team. But he didn't really show what he can do for the Oilers, and they quickly moved him for a sixth-round pick. Now, the sixth-round pick is a stocking stuffer. It's a fifth-rounder if he plays 50 games or more for the Blues this year. But unless they get a run of injuries, I don't know if that'll happen. But they do save the million dollars, which would have been buried in, in, in Bakersfield. And they found a team that had some injuries. St. Louis uh, has a few injuries. Carl Gunnison had knee uh, ligament uh, damage last season and then hip surgery this summer. So he's going to go on IR to start the season. Uh, Robert Bertuzzo was suspended for the first game for an elbow uh, in preseason on Michael Kempney from Washington. And uh, Joel Edmondson also has a groin issue. So they needed a defenseman and they've got one now, whether when healthy, whether Jarabic's good enough to play on, on that defense, I'm not sure. So he may be going to the minors as well. And the Blues will be eating that million dollars, not the others. I mean, the question for the Oilers defense is whether, I mean, there's a few, always a few these days, um, you know, whether or not Jason Garrison, who played what, mostly in the AHL last year with the Vegas' farm team, played a few games in the NHL, whether he can play a full season, uh, and what, he could be effective in the lineup. He is an older player, uh, near, nearing the end of his career. And also a question of whether or not Ethan Bear and Evan Bouchard are ready for the NHL. To me, this kind of smacks a little bit of a couple of years ago when the Oilers had uh, Brandon Davidson and Eric Griba as their bottom defensemen, and they ended up going out and signing Chris Russell uh, to contracts before the season started. Well, they could pick up a defenseman on waivers, you know, before the season starts because every team's trying to get down to play down players for their twenty-three man roster. So maybe Peter Shirelli will see see a better alternative for a sixth defenseman uh, in terms of a veteran as opposed to Baron Bouchard. And I think he sees Garrison, if he is signed, as a seven, not a, not a six, number six, not a third-pairing defenseman with Chris Russell. But right now, the Oilers are rewarding Bear and, and Bouchard for the training camps they had. And that's the way it should be. Now, they're both right-shot defensemen, both offensive defensemen, both puck carriers, both can play the point in the power play. So they seem a little redundant in that they're both offensive right-shot defensemen. But I think... You know, they always say training camp is come and show us you can make the team. Well, Ethan Bear had a really good camp, made the team, and and Bouchard, Evan Bouchard, showed why he was the tenth player picked in the draft. Uh, he's plus nine in the preseason. I haven't taken a look at the NHL preseason stats, but I don't know if there's a player plus nine now. Unless I presume he was on the ice an awful lot when McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Ty Ratty were lighting it up to get plus nine, but he did play well. And to start the season. Uh, both will be there, and I think they can move Bear up and down because he doesn't have to clear waivers. He can go back to Bakersfield with no worries from the Oilers if his play drops off. In Bouchard's case, they have to make a decision. They have to be a lot more careful with him. If he plays more than nine games, the first year of his entry-level contract kicks in. If he goes back to junior, they lose him for the whole year. So they have to be more careful with him. Uh, but young players, it's a young league, and they're going to get a chance to play. Uh, in the early going, they're not playing the uh, Ottawa Senators too many times in the first month of the season. Unfortunately, they're playing an awful lot of good teams: Winnipeg's and Nashville's and the Bruins, a couple of times the Capitals, the Penguins. So it's baptism under fire for both Bear and Bouchard. And that's the thing about young developing defensemen: they want to bring them along and make sure they're ready. 
the questions over their defensive game, both Bear and Bouchard. I mean, in a perfect world, the Oilers wouldn't be relying on them to be coming into the lineup right now. But like you said, this is getting to be a younger and younger league. The teams need these players to develop you know, a lot more quickly. Well, they do. And, and I think the Oilers last year were the worst team in the league in the power play, too. So they need offensive defensemen. They've got Oscar Kleffbaum who shoots left. He's on the first power play unit, but they didn't have anybody necessarily that they thought could run a power play uh, from the right side. Although I think Matt Benning has got a bit short changed in the, in the picture because I think he gets the shots through from the point too. Uh, but they see Bear and, and Bouchard as more of a, uh, a one-two possibility there for right shot defensemen. And the problem with, with young defensemen is not what they're doing with the puck. It's when they don't have the puck. And they got to, if they're going to play significant minutes, even as a third pairing guy between 12 and 14 minutes a game, that gives them a lot of opportunities to mess up defensively while they learn the game. And the orders have to get out of the gate quickly and win some games. Uh, this isn't training camp anymore where you can live with, with mistakes. If they make mistakes and lose the game, that's tough. But, you know, I, I don't think either defenseman should sit. It's interesting. I mean, if both defensemen deserve to be in the team, but if, say, Bouchard's playing and Bear's sitting, that doesn't help him much either because he's probably on the, in the first defense pair in Bakersfield, and if he's not sitting, not playing, that doesn't help him. And conversely, if if Bear's playing and Bouchard is not playing, that significantly does not ha- help him, uh, you know, a, a teenager sitting watching the games. And if they win games early, you know how coaches work, they don't change the lineup. If if they wanted to play Bouchard and say the Oilers won the first four games, Ethan Bear wouldn't get in the ice, on the ice unless one of the other defensemen got hurt. So uh, it's a tricky situation, but uh, that's why Todd McClellan's the coach, and that's why you and I are talking to one another right now, uh, me from Cologne and you from the, the bowels of the Edmonton Journal. You know, I think back to two years ago when they signed Russell. I mean, they added him to the lineup. He was not a part of the team yet. And there's nobody out there – to be signed a la Chris Russell to come in and be plugged into your second pairing right away? Uh, no, there's not. In fact, I think Russell would be in the third pairing. I think Benning and Nurse will be the second pairing because they played quite a bit together. And Russell will play with one of the kids in the third pairing, which is good. He's, he's a mentor type. Uh, he play the left side and one of the other kids can play the right. Uh, if Garrison plays, though, he's a lefty. Chris Russell then would have to, you know, if they somehow wanted to play both of them, then Chris Russell would have to move over to the right. But and yeah, I was it, thinking about Russell two years ago, I think he played basically second pairing. Yeah, second pairing. But now I think Back they him as a third, but a, a valuable third because he kills a lot of penalties, and he can also move up if injuries dictate during the game. He's this, he's banged up, but the coach thinks he'll be ready for the opener in in Gothenburg against uh, New Jersey. He skated by himself for practice today uh, and maybe he'll get a practice in game day skate in, in uh, Cologne, but he won't play the game. Neither he nor Adam Larson is going to play the game. Now you're in Europe for the third time in your journalism career with the Oilers because the Oilers have been to Europe to play these exhibition games. And I guess on Saturday, it's a regular season game three times in their history, uh, 1978 in the WHA, 1990, uh, the orders traveled to Europe for a couple of weeks, and now here you are, 2018. They're doing it again. Have you, you've only been there for a day. Have you noticed any difference between now and then? I'm just as tired when you get off the plane. Uh, 
Back in 78, the orders were still in the WHA. That's 40 years ago now. They went to Sweden, uh, and they didn't have Wayne Gretzky on the team, and they weren't much of a big uh, deal. It was nice to play the games in places like Karlstad and, and Jan Choping, and, and uh, there was a game in, in Gothenburg back then too, 40 years ago. Uh, in 1990, it was a different story. The orders were coming off a of Stanley Cup. They went to uh, Dusseldorf for the the uh, not very long Epson Cup, not the not the Salts, but uh, computer E P S O N with St. Louis Blues and the host Dusseldorf team uh, lost the first game ten one to the Blues, and then got a little better after that with games in uh, in Graz, Austria, in Munich, and uh, with stayed in Garmisch, the ski resort, uh, as well. So uh, that was a fun trip. The orders treated it as it was an exhibition series. Got better as it went along, and uh, this time around, it's interesting to uh, see the rink uh, near the practice rink. They're promoting it with two giant size posters: one of the hometown boy Leon Drysaddle, the prodigal son, uh, you know, returning, and the other one is a huge poster of Ryan Jones. And I don't think it's ever Ryan Jones has ever had a poster that big of him, but uh, no sign of Connor McDavid. Like he's the third banana in this situation. It's Jones, the Cologne Shark, exoiter against Leon Drysaddle. So we'll see how that goes on Wednesday night. Well, with all apologies to Connor McDavid, I mean Drysaddle is the German Gretzky, is he not? Well, that's uh, what they say, and uh, I know. Uh, I seem to remember people here in Edmonton are, you know, swooning over Ryan Jones's curly locks as well. He was very popular in Edmonton for a, I wrote a story on him. It's going into tomorrow's um, journal and sun. He was very popular in Edmonton for a role player, scored 18 goals one year, scored 17 another year, back to back 35 goal totals for a, for a third to fourth line player. And he was very popular. Uh, I still see a few, Jones sweaters uh, in uh, Rogers Place. You have to look pretty closely amongst all the, the Connor McDavid jerseys. But as uh, Jones joked to me, his buddy uh, Louis DeBrusque probably bought the jerseys, just slapped them on a couple of friends. So he'd feel it like he still was part of the Oilers. But it'll be interesting for Jones because this will see the, be the last time Ryan sees the Oiler uh, logo. Um, and he's still got some friends on the team. He's retiring at the end of the season. So from hockey, he says, so it would be interesting for him. What's the benefit of the NHL staging, you know, these games, particularly the, uh, the season opening games in Sweden? Are they hoping to grow the game globally? Are we expanding to Europe or something? Are we moving teams to Europe someday? Uh, no to the last, no to the last. And... <laughs> Uh, they're trying to grow the game, but I think they'd rather grow the game in China where the next Olympics are on. Uh, even if they got a you know, one half of one half of one half percent of all the people in China that cared about hockey, that's still an awful lot of people. They don't think they have to grow the game in Sweden. Uh, most of the, the very best Swedish players wind up in the NHL. So they know all about the NHL in Sweden. Uh, I think they're just trying to market the game, uh, as McDavid against Taylor Hall, the MVP and the MVP of the year before. There's a few Swedes on the Oilers. There's a few on the, on the uh, 
New Jersey Devils. Certainly not rivals, New Jersey and Edmonton. They're hardly rivals in the NHL picture. But in, you know, trying to grow the game in Germany, that's a little bit different story. Although the, uh, their German elite league was founded in 1994. So, um, you know, that's almost 25 years ago. So they know their hockey and they were the silver medalists in the, in the recent Olympics, although the NHL didn't send their best players, but they still did win the silver medal. It's a good league. The building they play in is the largest outside the NHL, 18,500 seats. Uh, All 18,500 seats will be sold. Uh, They average 12,000 people a game. That's the second most of any team in in, uh, Europe. Uh, SC Bern in Switzerland draws more than that, but, so hockey in Cologne is very big, although, as it was pointed out today, not so big as the uh, anybody kicking a soccer ball down the street. The other day, the, the Cologne soccer team played a game on a Tuesday night at 6.30 when people were still at work and do 46,000 people. So uh, still a little bigger than hockey here. Matty, I'm going to let you go and source some wiener schnitzel or whatever you might be dining on this evening in Cologne. Have you had any wiener schnitzel yet? I had wiener schnitzel last night, so I'm sure there's something else on the menu that is distinctly German, uh, some sausage of some description perhaps. I know the wiener schnitzel last night was bigger than most manhole covers I've seen in Edmonton. Uh so they don't shortchange you on the on the Wiener Schnitzel, and uh, there was enough French fries there too for four people. So uh, I ate heartily last night. I'm wondering about a couple of things. One is the team itself and having these games in Europe. They're flying an eight-hour trip to Germany. The time difference is eight hours uh, to play some games in in Europe. Uh, Of course, you're trying to grow your game somehow, some way. You're always trying to find new markets, new ways to make more money. Um, I kind of wonder why. Why why Europe? They're they're not going to be establishing teams there. They, I don't know what the lucrative TV deals are for Swedish and German television. Why do you think we're having these games over there? Well, from my understanding is that the NHL fan base is growing in Europe, even though the games in Europe are at something like three or four in the morning. So, mm-hmm. I, But I think more European players are coming over to play in the NHL now, so they're more recognizable than they've ever been. Um, it's not an unknown to European players uh Maybe up, you know, twenty, twenty-five, thirty years ago, there was a handful of them. Now, the best players in Europe are coming over to play in the NHL. So there is a following in that regard when it comes to the NHL in Europe. And I think it's it's just expanding your brand and it's expanding uh, your market and and, and having you know, kids in Europe look up to an Eric Carlson, for example, and buying an Ottawa Senators jersey or I guess now a San Jose Sharks jersey, things like that. And I think that's what the NHL wants to do. And I think they want to kind of keep this momentum growing where where they want Europeans to be invested in in the NHL and they want 
the fans to kind of tune into the league and know what's going on and, and have the star players that they look up to be NHL players, not necessarily be Swedish elite league players or be players in the Finnish league. They want young Finnish kids, young Swedish kids, young Russian kids to look up to uh, players that play in the NHL. And you look at the gen- young German kids, they're going to get a chance to see Leon Dreisettle. And you want them to look up to those kids. And I think that's what the NHL is doing, is just trying to expand its brand in, in, into these markets. It's about having ownership, I think, as a fan base too. When you when you watch these guys play, if you're in if you're in Sweden, you're watching them play in the Swedish Elite League, and then they move on to the NHL. You have that sense of ownership, uh, and as a fan base, that's what you want to have. And uh, in the case of Cologne, Germany, here with Leon Dreisaitl and Toby Reeder going there, like Dreisaitl especially is going to be a bit of a rock star there, right? So in that specific case, it really fits for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Sweden, of course, I mean, geez, what is the league now percentage for Swedish players? It's it, it seems to get higher and higher every time a draft rolls around here. But yeah, I think I mean you know airwaves knows no borders. You know uh, you can you can grow the game obviously in Europe probably without being there but at the same time to have that to have physical games there in Europe and have those fans sort of have that sense of ownership over the players and then over the teams I think that's sort of what they're trying to get at and and it makes a lot of sense but uh whether that translates into more jerseys or more TV viewership I don't know I guess we'll see how that goes but it is fun to see this from an Oilers perspective because like you said it's been over 20 years since we've seen something like this so uh, I'm excited to watch how they uh, how they play in Germany and specifically obviously in in Stockholm when the games really matter uh, and then of course that those we've talked about this before Derek that first 10 games on mm-hmm. that Oilers sked is looking really tough and to kick it off in Sweden and then you got to come back and I think they're on the road quite a bit in they those first 10 games. games that is that is just going to be tough so that that brutal grind is really going to test this team early on, and uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not entirely confident on how it's going to go. I think I was a little bit more gloomy on what the Oilers' record would be after 10 games. Derek was a little bit more optimistic mm-hmm. when we talked about it, but uh, uh, it's it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, instead of maybe the end of November being the barometer, maybe the end of October will oh, be the barometer God. of whether or not they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just kidding. If they start 1-7, oh, it might be a long year here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think about you know uh, the initial staging games in Europe and uh, you know potential for you know growing your market for your uh, products. I think about the Premier League, English Premier League, and people watching games over here. Now that's the highest level of soccer mm-hmm. in the world. Well, you know among the highest best leagues in the world, and of course the NHL is the best hockey league in the world. So yeah. I suppose here we are, streaming games from everywhere. We saw that all preseason. We could watch the Oilers preseason games and you know, other teams uh, on their feeds, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, YouTube in some cases, but a lot of Facebook for the Oilers. Yeah. I mean, th- the future, I guess, in a lot of ways is now. I mean, they have a TV deal in the conventional sense, but I don't know, five years from now, ten years from now, I don't know how we're going to be consuming these games. But does it matter if you're living in Stockholm, Sweden, or in China, or in Canada, or in Brazil? It doesn't, does it? No, it doesn't, and and that's a good, interesting point you make with the the English Premier League teams because they do come to North America and they usually have U.S. tours. So, you, so you, American fans they realize that there's a market here in the United States for for their team, so they'll come here and they'll they'll have a little preseason tour, and you can you can go see Man United play whoever in in L.A. or in New York and, and things like that. So, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Who in in the future? 
you could be it could be all about not necessarily TV revenue, but streaming revenue and who's paying to watch these games. And when you have a chance to kind of have a global market, you're going to jump at that opportunity. So I think that's that's a very good point you made. Yeah, no soccer. I mean, you look at a guy like Alfonso Davies and what he's. I, I, I imagine I'm just guessing here, but you know, come come summer, you're, you're going to see a lot more Bayern Munich jerseys walking around Edmonton with Alfonso Davies mm-hmm. on the back. And that's what I mean by ownership of players. When you have a guy who's from Edmonton, now all of a sudden you got Bayern Munich fans in northern Alberta. How did that happen? And this is specifically and exactly how it happened. So uh, I don't know if the others are banking on that, but uh, the NHL certainly is. And uh, it's smart. I think it's smart. It's just whether or not it completely craters the Oilers' season is yet to be yeah, seen. Yeah, that is the big thing, right, staging the game. It's one thing to have your games on television or visible everywhere. It's another thing, you know, to do that. I, I also think about the NFL. I mean, historically, I mean, the more NFL is available on television for people to watch and consume and even taking it further you know with people playing fantasy football online mm-hmm. with all you know on the various leagues that people can join um, it exposes your product to more people and there are more fans interested in it even here in Edmonton Canada I would argue there are more NFL fans than CFL fans yeah well, there's a huge oh, yeah. obviously oh, yeah. NFL, because NFL of that yeah no you're absolutely right because of that and and it, it's interesting because yeah it's become interactive, and I think, and I think that's the big thing with the NFL. And they've pushed this, and they and, and they they like their their fantasy leagues and things like that. And, and it makes a fan makes the games more interesting for a lot of fans to be able to kind of ha- know an outcome of a, or have something decided on the outcome of the game. So yeah, I, I think yeah, you're right in that regard as well. As far as the team goes, I mean, it, it talked a little bit about how it might crater. Uh, the season mm-hmm. it's a little joke there obviously but uh, I wonder if it can actually galvanize a team too I know sometimes you know teams maybe even more so in Canadian markets but they want to get away from the home barn a little and maybe you know get a little bit of a com- camaraderie on the road uh, I wonder what it will do for the team to have that right off the bat in a place like Germany and in Stockholm Sweden where they're able to be tourists a little I've seen some photos of them that they're sharing on social media today outside of cathedrals and whatnot seeing the sites together it's a good way to get the team together right away uh, so I'm wondering if that helps out in the room quite a bit. That, that's an interesting aspect of it as well. Yeah, you know, the long road trips. I mean, mm-hmm. Derek, mm-hmm. you know, you've been, had covered, you know, covered the team and been with the team on the road. I mean, that's that's part of growing as a team, being together you know, in def- those situations. Yeah, definitely it is. And, and I think you talked to a lot of these guys before they left, and that's what they they brought up, and that's what they were talking about. They said it's going to be a good team bonding experience. And, and you look at the orders in the past. They've tried to manufacture this when they've started the season at home. They, they'll go to Jasper for mm-hmm. three days, yep. three or four Penticton, days, yep. and, you know, and and do some team bonding things. Now this is, they're on the road for two weeks together, and they and they they know they can see the schedule. They know it's going to be a tough schedule. They know even when they get home, things are tough. You know, so they they go out there and they play that game in in Sweden, then they fly to Boston, then they fly to New York. And then, and then they have Winnipeg, and it, it's, it's it's three pretty tough road games to start your season off. And then they come home, and they host Boston, and then you got Nashville in there, and it's 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 not an easy schedule. But I think they look at that and they say, well, we're going to take the positives out of this, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to bond as a team and do those those things that you otherwise wouldn't. Yeah, you're right, like sightseeing and going to different places, and and having and having dry settle play tour guide a little bit, and. <laughs> and show maybe where he's from and what he's done. And yep. I think that'll really help out with this team. And, and the fact that this team isn't a bunch of new guys, they're, they're the guys that have been together for, for a couple of years, I think that helps. And it also help. it will help the new guys, the handful of new guys that are here, 
kind of help bond them with with the club as well. You know, switching over to Edmonton and the mood heading into this season. Now, the Oilers are coming off a disappointing campaign. The year before that, they made the playoffs for the first time in 11 years. Um, and now we're coming off a preseason. I think they went 7-1, and one, lost one game out of eight. But, of course, it's preseason. It doesn't mean that much. I mean, you're playing, you know, squads that aren't the exact NHL squads, in some cases B and C level squads for the opposition, and the Oilers are trying out different players in different situations. What do you think the mood is heading into this season out on the street in Edmonton? I think it's it's optimistic, and I think it's it's guarded optimism. I believe a year ago, people got a little too far ahead of themselves, and including a couple of columnists here who are claiming that the Oilers are going to get to the Stanley Cup final. One was claiming that they're going to win the final. I think uh, people got a little bit ahead of themselves with that Stanley Cup uh, playoff run. You just don't go from making the playoffs after 10 years out of it to winning one round to going to win the Stanley Cup. It's a process. You look at those good teams, you know, the Pittsburghs and, and, and teams that are there all the time, the San Jose's and, and, and those teams like that. Washington, how long was Washington banging on the door for before they, 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 they won the Cup? It's not You just don't make that leap. And I think a lot of people last year just thought that the Oilers were going to make that leap, thought it was inevitable, and, and they obviously fell flat on their faces. This year, I think it's a bit more guarded. You see a lot of people saying, well, they may make the playoffs, they may not make the playoffs, they may fight for the playoffs towards the end. It's not, yeah, they're going to go to the Stanley Cup final this year. No one is mentioning the Stanley Cup final. No one's even mentioning first or second round playoff win. They're just saying, well, we hope the Oilers get to the playoffs and we'll take it from there. But I think this franchise, in order to establish itself as as a as an elite franchise, has to be continually in the playoffs, continually in the hunt. And then you make your run. You just don't go from being the worst team in the league to being the best team in the league in two years. And, and I think last year, I think people got caught up in the hype a little bit. It's October in Edmonton, so there's always going to be optimism surrounding that. Uh, I think the guarded sense of optimism that Derek talks about partly has to do with the fact that a lot of the teams within the division have improved, or at least have seem to improve we haven't seen that reflect on the ice just yet but you know las vegas adds patcheretti san jose adds carlson los angeles adds kovalchuk calgary adds james neal and and hanif and we'll see how those moves actually play out uh, uh as the season goes on but so some of that guarded optimism is certainly there because we're not really sure how the oilers improved quote unquote over the season but in the off season sorry but when you have connor mcdavid on your team the optimism is going to be there. And in Edmonton, it's the same thing every October, man. We are we are uh, painfully optimistic about how every season is going to mm-hmm. go. Even even back when we were running the kid line with Nielsen, Coggs, and, Ga- and Gagne, we were pretty optimistic that things were going to turn out all right then, and uh, they didn't. So uh, it, it is going to be interesting. I mean, it's we haven't even played a game yet, and others fans seem to have found their whipping boy already in Koskinen. So, you know, we're, we're already mid, mid-season form here as far as the fans are concerned. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that optimism, I think, is always going to be there. Uh, we saw people last year, you're right there, talking about the Stanley Cup yeah. just being way too premature with that sort of uh, talk. Uh, but we are seeing now some more and more articles that I'm reading of people actually saying, yeah, you know what, the Oilers are going to make the playoffs this year, and they're kind of like fighting 
conventional wisdom yeah. right now. It seems like the conventional wisdom is that the Oilers aren't going to make the playoffs, and now the hot take du jour is that they will make the playoffs. So it's sort of all over the place. I like that. A little fly under the radar is nice by me. Uh, I would prefer that over what we saw last year. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but as far as Oilers fans in October, man, I think they're ready to go. <laughs> all right, I'll leave you with this. What position do you think the Oilers will finish in the Western Conference this year? Well, <laughs> Derek, <laughs> I've been around this team so long um, and, and, and see what they've done. And, and I think, I think Trevor, you're right. They, well, Connor McDavid's a wild card. Connor McDavid's going to try and do everything he can to drag this team in the playoffs. But I do, fit, I do think they finish ninth. I think it's going to be one of those seasons where they're fighting to the end and they're going to come up a little short. And I think partly has to do with the fact that, yes, every team in the division has improved. And, and to get one of those top three spots, that's going to be tough when you're playing Calgary and San Jose and L.A. and Vegas and all, all those times, six times a year. It's going to be tough to get points out of those guys. And then you obviously have a very good central division. So if you're going to go the wild card route, you're going to have to try and, and, and get through there. So I, I see the Oilers putting up a good fight. I see the Oilers putting up a better fight than they did last season. But I do see it coming up a bit short. I think they'll finish ninth or 10th in the conference. McDavid's a wild card in a sense. I think Cam Talbot, this is a really, really crucial year for him, uh, especially for the team, not just personally, but the team really needs to rely on Talbot to make that extra save that he wasn't making last year. Uh, so I'm not going to say that the others will go as Cam, as Cam Talbot goes, because clearly the others go as Connor McDavid goes. But <laughs> uh, as far as where they can finish, I mean, anywhere from 5th to 10th, really, it's sort of all over the place. I don't see them winning their division or, or getting into that top four spot there. I just don't see that happening but anywhere from five to ten I can see the Oilers kind of landing in that spot and I, th- I do think a lot of it has to do with the goaltending they have to get that extra stop that they were not getting last year and it was happening way too often a lot of the times we saw when that first shot or that first bad bounce and all of a sudden the Oilers are behind the eight ball uh, that that just cannot happen this year uh, the Connor McDavid can only do so much I don't know if he can play goaltender yet maybe <laughs> they could try him between the pipes and see how that goes but uh, yeah Cam Talbot for me is a guy who really really has to establish himself here uh obviously Leon Dreisaitl as well uh he'll be on that second line he's not they're not going to try that with Dreisaitl on the right anymore he has to establish himself on that second line his preseason numbers don't look very well or very good sorry but uh who cares it's preseason as soon as the regular season gets going that second line needs to generate offense uh and yeah Cam Talbot really needs to uh needs to bail the team out because uh the defense as a unit, as a collective unit, is all right, but there are some young pieces in there, so you can expect some breakdowns, uh, and they're going to need that extra stop. And, you know, since I asked you, I'll have to give my two cents as mm-hmm. well. I mean, just given, never mind, we haven't seen enough from the likes of Evan Bouchard and even Ethan Berry yet. They're a young defenseman. Who knows how they're going to perform over the long haul and whether Evan Bouchard even stays in the NHL. But you look at the veterans. You look at how Cam Talbot played in his preseason action. Mm-hmm. He played very well. Yep. You know, he's he was on. Connor McDavid clearly has been playing very well mm-hmm. as well. I know they're not playing the San Jose Sharks and the Chicago Blackhawks, et cetera. They're not playing the, the NHL lineups of the best teams. Yep. But they do look dialed in. I'm going to say they make, they somehow finish eighth. I mean, there's always that. It's to me the the key is what happens on defense. Yeah. You know, can that can that unit advance? Can Oscar Klafbaum stay healthy and get back to the level he was at two years ago, and maybe even develop further? We'll see. Well, they they are in a situation where they don't have the luxury of 
they if they get a major injury somewhere along the line on the back end or up front, then, then that'll derail their season. Well, that skewered and, and it didn't help last year no, when Secker wasn't there. No, it didn't. And if for God forbid, if something happens to McDavid and he's out even for a few weeks, can't even, can't even talk about it. Yeah, nope. can't even talk no, about it. No. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, exactly. Bring that up because I that almost want to change my prediction. That would be the end of the season right there. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, no, couldn't. Yeah. Nobody could survive that. <laughs> no, no. So guarded optimism. I guess, like you said, every year it's October. Yeah, let's just let's just get it going. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for the Germany game, obviously, but it's the last preseason game. Let's just get that done with, uh, and let's get this going because, man, this preseason takes a long time. If uh, if we can advocate for anything on this show, it's shorter preseason. Preseason. I think the players would like that as well. Yeah. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.